as a result of the, the pandemic, there has been a push to more payments and less cash. And things simply because cash is cash is dirty, yeah. isn't it? We don't know how many people have handled that note or coin before us. On today's show, my guest is Siobhan Winneberg, the head of HR for Europe at Evo Payments International. And we're going to be talking about how Evo faced the pandemic and why cash is dirty. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you a bit of technology news. Welcome to today's show. Uh, joining me is Erstwhile co-host. I keep in- introducing you as Erstwhile whenever you're on. I'm not even yeah, entirely like sure it. I know what the word means, but there we go. I can't I even spell it. it. <laughs> uh, we've got Jack Pierce. Anyway, um, and today, although this is going out on Friday, today is GCSE Results Day. So... Yep. If you've got my your sister results. got hers, Dave. My sister got hers. And three, no, two double A stars. What the fuck is that? Oh, hang on. Is that a one or a nine? But nine, nine. Sure. That's a nine. Uh, right. So yeah, she converted them for me because I don't know what the numbers mean because it's all changed, right? So she got two double A stars, one A star, two A's, and four B's. Like she smashed the shit out of my results. Like she's now the the absolute chosen one in the pierces. So, congratulations, Emily, if you're listening. She's definitely not, but congratulations. Well done, Emily Pierce. And that now onto A levels. So she she decided what she. Oh, maybe not. Maybe she's not going to do A levels. But does... no, she is. She'll be going to the same same culture to sixth form that I went to. Um, she'll be doing some photography, some science, some English, uh, an eclectic mix. Uh, so she's going to do yeah. better than you there as well. Yeah, almost certainly. And at university, uh, she'll 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 certainly go further, a lot further than I I ever could. So yeah, hey, congrats, let's, sis. Let's, let's not knock Essex Uni, right? Right. I mean, she's she's categorically said I am not going to Essex University. I was like, I oh, said I that. Them. Yeah, and look where I ended up, and it's great university. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, only the creme de la creme go there, Dave, as you know. I, I would wholeheartedly agree with you there, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, look, if you've got your GCSE results today, or if your kids got your GCSE, got their GCSE results rather, uh, celebrate with them. I hope you've all had a good day um, and that there was positive news. Anyway, let's get stuck into today's show. We're talking to Siobhan Winneberg, head of HR for Evo Payments in Europe. Uh, we'll hand over to the interview. And then when we come back, myself and Jack will have some commentary and then a bit of news to round the show off. So today we're talking to Siobhan Winneberg from Evo Payments. How are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. It's a lot cooler today, thankfully. It is, although it's quite... St- I was warm last night. It was quite yeah. muggy. Um, and it's supposed to be very hot this weekend, it is. isn't it? So it um, is. Yeah, looking out there, it's overcast and whatnot. But anyway, um, yes, look, thanks for taking some time to have a chat. Uh, dialing in all the way from from beautiful Essex. <laughs> um, yeah, just very quickly, what's what role is it that you play at Evo Payments? So I am head of HR for Evo in uh, Europe. And um, I support the general management across the organization out here. And the HR team in driving kind of the talent, the recruitment, all the journalist work. We're a relatively small HR function, um, so we span everything. We, we're not necessarily diversified into all the different HR specialities. We do it all. And for anyone who's not familiar with Evo Payments, uh, I'm guessing that they'll, they'll be able to take a wild stab at what the company <laughs> does, but it'd be, it'd be good to kind of get, get from you how it kind of fits into that particular market. Yeah, so we are, you know, when you go into your, uh, I mean, anyone who knows payments, and it's an amazing industry, it's a particularly great industry to be in at the moment, but um, we're kind of the power behind the, the card reader, you know, whether you're doing virtual shopping. So if you're shopping online and you're making a card transaction online, e-com, 
um, whether you're doing a, a, a POS transaction in a shop. We do everything from providing the terminals to all the technology behind it, merchant acquiring. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that when I've when I've kind of seen contactless, I've seen yeah. Evo obviously in various different do. So and sometimes okay. we work under other people's brands so quite often we're you know i think one of our thing is we're not we're, we're, we don't push our brand on everyone so we are operating under different brands across the world so if you're ever in ireland and you have a a boypa bank of ireland payment acceptance that's us we partner with banks as well right okay i, I would be tempted to say that from because because payments is obviously transforming but i would suppose if you're handling transactions that whilst people are shopping uh differently there's probably a similar amount of transactions going through at the moment people might be shopping online but there's still there's still payment processes going on and it's it's just slightly different rhythms and different times yeah it has i mean it de- from 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 your yeah i mean the initial lockdown the initial lockdown when we went into full lockdown and we saw it come like a wave across the European region, you know, um, for us, Poland, Poland's our biggest location out here in Europe. And, um, and they were, they were ahead of us from a coronavirus perspective, as was Germany. And so we were literally watching this happening. And we had a moment, I think on St. Patrick's day on the 17th of March, when we, which would have normally been an amazing volume transaction day. It's St. Patrick's Day, everybody's celebrating. But mm. of course, in Ireland, they shut the pubs the day before St. Patrick's Day. And, you know, you're looking yeah. at the vo- and you could literally see the volumes of transactions. They just literally fell off a cliff. And so there was a period of time, I think, when we first went into full-blown lockdown, as and, and all those small, medium merchants would have felt it as well, where they're going... Right. I've never really been set up for e-com. I've always been a bricks and mortar business. You know, I'm a restaurant. I sell goods. I do this. And I'm going to have to change this model and change it really quickly because I'm going to have to start doing food Mm. delivery. or I'm going to have to allow customers to buy online where they never did it before. And we were adapting really quickly where we were saying to existing customers, look, you can take your terminal, we'll turn it into a virtual terminal for you. Um, But we did see, without doubt, there was a drop in transactions. And the monthly volume of transactions is definitely coming back up. And we're certainly down from where we wanted to be this year. But the volumes are actually coming back up and looking good. Because the other thing that's happened in the payment space um, was early days, if you remember, the government increased the limit for contactless payments. So we moved contactless yes. payments up from, I can't remember 40, what you said. 45 pounds. Yeah, yeah, to 45 pounds. And that happened right across yeah. the whole of Europe. Um, and actually, increasingly, when you're going into a shop now, there will be a sign outside that shop saying card payments preferred. So there's been a push. Um, as a result of the, the pandemic, there has been a push to more payments and less cash. And things simply because cash is, cash is dirty, yeah. isn't it? We don't know how many people have handled that note or coin before us. Yeah, that is very true. And it's odd when now you go into a situation where someone asks you for cash, because I, I don't mm. have any cash. On I don't have any cash. And months and months. No. And you know, the other um, thing that's happening as a result of a no. lack of cash, especially for this new dine out to help out um, system that's been put in, is the serving staff are not getting the tips they used to get because people aren't carrying cash. And that's becoming a real challenge in the, um, the food yeah. industry. Although I don't think I've tipped in cash for years i think yeah. i've always just added it using the terminal yeah to the and then you don't anyway. guarantee, never, you never so guarantee yes, it gets to the market. person who just served you does it yeah no there, there is that <clears throat> i suppose people don't like doing that because they don't know who it's actually going to yeah um look you, you mentioned obviously that you're head of hr uh across europe 
Um, how how large an organization is that generally, and how disparately spread is it? Was it was it like was it kind of very much centralized around the southeast of England? You went, you mentioned there that that Poland were a big uh, area for you, or was the workforce quite quite spread? We're quite spread. We're we're, we're based in Germany, Poland, Malta, Gibraltar, Spain. And Ireland and the UK. And actually the UK, Gibraltar, Malta and the UK are our smallest locations. Um, Poland is by far our biggest location. So, you know, almost half of the European population is sitting in Poland. Uh, we're just under 900. Um, we're just under 900 employees out here in Europe. Um, and then I'd say Spain and Dublin and Germany are certainly Spain, Dublin are similar in size. So we were relatively um, spread out in that from that perspective. So has, has there been a challenge with regards to the sentiment of staff being different in different countries, but maybe being in the same team? So I suppose it's, 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 it's certainly not impossible that you could have teams spread across certain, uh, spread across a number of different countries, but with very different attitudes towards how they are now perceiving work, the office, yeah. etc. Um, depending on where they are. Well, there was a moment actually during coronavirus, during the lockdown, whatever you want to call it, there's been a moment where it it actually unified us. Because for the first Mm. time ever, regardless of our location, regardless of our culture or our language, we were actually all going through this same thing at the same time. You know, we were all experiencing lockdown. We were all experiencing the anxiety around it. We were all experiencing... You know, just the the, the person the, the the personal impact was the exact same for all of us. So there's this moment where we're going, wow, actually, whatever's happening in one country is for the first time is resonating. Because some of the challenges I have in this job is, you know, and and I say it within my own team is getting my own team to say, look, you know, whatever might happen in Spain, it's not unique to you in Spain. If you work, the, the thing is, we all work in payments. So there's certain things and we all have to, we all we all do a very similar job just in a very different country or in a different culture but fundamentally the challenges we're facing are very very similar because we're all in the exact same industry this is what we're doing we all work for evil mm. and um and it was you know we actually did um, my boss the chief hr officer actually did a video at one point um kind of just what, what coronavirus had meant to all of us in human resources globally. And we all sent in family photos. We all sent in photos of what we've been doing throughout the period of time. And it was amazing because the, the photos from all over the world, including Mexico and China, they were all similar. The scenes were all similar, you know, and and so that was really lovely. And so I think there was that moment of unification, without doubt. We, we've certainly interacted a lot more. And ironically, I was saying we 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 we're seeing more of each other because we're making far more better use of video than we ever did. And so mm. yesterday was a big achievement for us because we did our first, we hadn't done it before, but our first global video town hall with the entire organization. And um, and that was good. And I think stuff like that's just becoming more and more important. Uh, there's an interesting point around that because we've done the same within within the organization I work for, Harvey Nash. And, and you, you, before we hit record, you were talking about the fact that differences between people have been magnified. I think that the town halls are great, but I think there's obviously a certain type of person that will be more than happy to be on camera talking to everyone yeah. on a virtual meeting, and others won't find that so easy. Yeah, and so they're great, but I suppose you can't just go right. Well, we've done a town hall and we've reached out to everyone. Isn't that great? Um, yeah. I suppose this is highlighting just how intricate your 
our ability to be able to connect with various different members of staff is, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think you need to. So I have a team. I have staff in Ireland, Germany, Poland, Spain, and Gibraltar. And they're all very different. As individuals, they're all very different. And I think because I've had, I would have said for the last, God, I'm going to say for at least the last 15 years, if not a bit longer, I've had teams in different countries. So I'm used to dealing a lot on the telephone. And I think one of the things you really need to do when you're working virtually is tune into people's voices. You know, just tune into that first couple of seconds when you phone them and say, how are you? Because I can mm. tell within seconds how my team member's feeling. You just know by whether there's lightness in their voice or there's heaviness in their voice or they started with a sigh. You just know when you say to them, how are you? And you go, I'm okay. Or I'm brilliant. You know, you just know from the minute they speak and then you kind of go, well, you don't sound okay to me. It's what's going on. And then it comes out about, you know, this has happened, that's happened. And and so I do. And I think there's something about knowing as well, which of your team can go four days without talking to you and which of your team almost need a daily check-in. And so you do, I think one of the skills for us right now as management is to really treat our team members as individuals, because you're not walking into an office and sitting on a desk chatting to four or five people at the same time. You've kind of got to go, oh, you know, I need to phone her because she likes to be talked to regularly. Um, And I'm having to remember way more about what's going on in their lives, (laughs) you know, because there's not a lot going happening, but just more about the, you know, whether their parents have been ill. We, We were saying yesterday, we know more about our people on a personal level as a result of this than we did before. Because as a result of going on video in people's homes, we've met the children that we've never seen before. We've met the dogs. You know, we've we, we've seen what's in, we've we've been able to go. What's that in the background? What's that picture? You know, where there's been far more. Um, you're just getting to know the person more. But it isn't easy. And yeah. you know, I think I think if you're you know for the introverts and for those of us who are prefer a kind of a quiet life, this is you know. I mean, I, I joke with my, I've got a 58 year old brother and I joke with him that he's been practicing social distancing for 58 years. You know, it's kind of this, he has not, he has not skipped a beat. Couldn't care less if he never saw anybody ever again, you know, whereas I'm one of these people, I need to be around people to charge my batteries. And I'm like, I need to be in an office. I need to be in an office. And we tried really hard in the early days to be mindful of that. We've talked a lot about mental health we've talked a lot about people that are struggling to work from home and then we have we have those mm-hmm. who are struggling to work from home and we have those who are struggling to to come in an office and we're doing um, a series of videos it started with the executive team it's gone through the general management and now it's coming down through um other other leaders within the business and you know there are some people as you say there are some people who are desperate to get in front of that camera and then there are others for whom this is just hell on earth it's just their idea of hell please don't put a camera on me I think it's interesting that you're talking about you can tell very quickly how a member of your team is feeling. And I suppose that is informed by knowing them yes. prior to this situation. Yeah. But many organizations now have got staff joining who they've never actually sat physically in front of. Um, and I was told, I think it was yesterday, there's some research that suggests that this is perfect for competence you know can someone do a job yes or no and then they join mm. a team and yeah they, they're getting on and you're, you're you're confident that they've got competence but liking someone and trusting someone <laughs> is far harder when it's just been a video call relationship yeah. it, it it really is and i think we're gonna have to judge people on <laughs> first of all on what they deliver 
So can they deliver what they say they're going to deliver? Um, they're going to have to trust us. You know, it's a two-way street, isn't it? If you're a new hire into an organization, you've, as particularly now, you've taken quite a big risk to, to, to leave your job voluntarily, if that's what you're doing, and come to a new organization because you don't really get to know us. You know, you go through that interview process on video, you see a face and, you know, everyone's on their best behavior in those in in the video process. So I think the trust, the trust thing really matters on both sides. And I'm always aware of the fact that trust is that it's a two way street. And I think so. I, I mean, I've always said this in my role. I mean, I've worked with leaders. I mean, honest, you know, you think I've been doing this job now for too many years, 30, over 30 years and have met some amazing people and worked with brilliant people. But I remember, you know, a couple of leaders saying to me, Trust is something the employee has to earn. And I said, no. I said, if the employee has to earn it, they're starting on the wrong foot. I said, you as the manager, mm. and I really believe this, the manager has to give them trust to start with. We have to just, and it's a really tough thing, you're just going to have to give people trust immediately because it's going to be very difficult for them to win your trust. And I, I work on the basis that give them trust, give them everything to be successful, help them be successful, step in support. If they break your trust, that's a different matter. But what does, you know, what is it someone really needs to do to break your trust? Just out of interest, managers might look over someone's shoulder then when they're, when they're new to an organisation. Is, is this circumstance breeding better management behaviours? Um, I think, yeah, because we haven't got a choice. I mean, I, I think you're, you know, I've always said about homeworking. So people who were anti-homeworking and, and we get these people are anti-homeworking. And I always kind of, I look when I have leaders that are anti-homeworking, I'm more interested in their own psyche and what it is they do at home that they're worried that other people are going to do at home and they're working from home. You know, because I'm kind of going, I've always trusted my people to work from home, always, you know, for, for as long as I can remember, um, because I judge them based on what they deliver. They don't care how they deliver yeah. it or where they deliver it or, you know, but as long as they deliver it on time and they're not coming to me and saying, I didn't have time to get my job done. You're professionals, you know what needs to be done, you've got to get it done. So I think there's a lot more, I think we're going to spend, have to spend more time explaining the jobs to people and then setting, you know, kind of setting boundaries. And I do it with my team quite a lot and go, guys, you can work within this, this here, this framework, you can work. But the minute it deviates out of that, you're going to have to come back to me because we have a process yeah. here, Evo, and that's good. And actually it's not, you know, in some cases, not even I can approve it. It's going to have to go up to the chief HR officer or to the CEO. So I think we've got to be a lot clearer around the expectations for people. And we've got to be, we, we aren't going to be able to stand over their shoulder. But actually, I think for the stuff that really matters, making sure you've got those four eyes on things really matters. Look, it's been lovely to chat to you today. I really do appreciate you spending some time chatting through some of these issues. Um, and fingers crossed, at some point you do manage to get back into an office. Um, I'm sure that will happen at some point in the it future. Will, definitely. I'm not going to put any time frame on it. Uh, and yeah, enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of the week. Thank you. Cash is dirty. Cash is dirty. That's what I texted you about an hour ago, wasn't it, Dave? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, I wanted to make the point that I don't know if it's due to Corona or or just a recent thing. When you were when you go into Google and you Google like your local cafe or something, it now also comes up whether they take Apple Pay as well as like contactless. And look, 
I think you and I had this conversation years ago that we don't carry cash anymore. You know, it's just so easy not to. Now that contactless is up to £45, I can do it on my phone. I don't even need to take my wallet out anymore, you know. So cash is dirty. And I might like to add, these are one of the people I've actually recognized, heard of, seen out and about in the wild, Evo Payment. Because you see them on the, like, shop's iPads or on their on their things, their, what did she call it, their POCs? POSs, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Point props to real. Evo. We- uh, even I've heard of you. I mean, the thing is, um, increasingly, um, I don't want to touch touch screens either. No, um, no, no. Just as bad. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like in the same way that when you go into a public toilet, you really don't want to touch anything. I'm now kind of getting like that at, at customer checkouts. Uh, I don't know who's been touching this screen. At least with cash, it might have been sitting in a register for over 17 hours, at which yes. point... Um, it's probably Corona free touchscreen. You don't know which dirty bastards have been pressing it before you. Um, and as someone who is now maybe a little bit more at risk, it's crossed my mind more selfishly because you know it's a bit more prescient. No, you're you're so right. Um, touching the buttons, touching the screen, especially if you're going in immediately after someone else, is arguably worse than handing over a five pound note that's been sat in your wallet all week. Um, it's just kind of grosses me out at the moment money uh, not money i mean cash like physical cash money's never going to gross me out um but yeah i mean it's it's good i mean 45 pound i'm having i'm giving us until december for that to be up to 60 pound it's going to keep gradually getting higher and higher it just is especially when we get to christmas shopping and things like that they're not going to be able to help themselves which I, i'm all for by the way i think it's great um i don't really understand the cap at 45 i understood it when it was like 20 and they were trying to stop kind of large one-off purchases and fraud and whatever else 45 though you can buy a fair amount of stuff now it's like it's a bit of a weird in the middle number to have picked i don't know how they got there why not 50 yeah well look if you're gonna if you're gonna cap it at 45 and the other thing of course that that happens is that people go into a shop and they put through 40 quids worth of stuff and then they pay and then they ask someone to put through another 40 quids so it's 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 kind of silly it's kind of it doesn't make a lot of sense no no it doesn't but hey you know, let's not try and second guess the government. We'll be here all day. <laughs> um, I love this idea that we all experienced lockdown at the same time and therefore it brought us together. And that this idea of pictures of family and scenes at the home that were so similar. Mm. Um, and, and the, you know, the notion that we've interacted more with people than we had mm. done before and seen more of each other. Um, it's probably fair. Certainly when certainly when we're talking about people who work in different offices. I've had more detailed conversations with people in the regional parts of our business, as we would traditionally have viewed them, than I, I certainly had done before lockdown. The unification is huge. It's really gave everyone a, a shared sense of purpose and accountability as well. Um we're all in it together. Everyone, everyone in the world has gone through it in some form or other. I mean, any any Kiwis listening are probably laughing to themselves right about now. But... Well, no, no, because they're back in lockdown, aren't they, at the minute? Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, fair enough. But um, I wanted to really pick up on Siobhan's point around trust um, and, and talk about my own example, because I started managing a team at the in the middle of February. Uh, 
I'm based in London. They're all based in New Orleans. Um, so the plan was for me to go out there once every six weeks to catch up and, you know, have some touch points. Obviously, that didn't happen. They were in the office for two weeks and then they've been at home ever since. Right. So they've had no real company culture, no real immersion into what it's like to work for this company because they're sat in their bedrooms or at their desks at home. And the point of and I really, really agree with Siobhan is trust is earned is so wrong in a business sense. I've told my team this countless times. I trust you implicitly until that trust's broken. Because especially now and especially with working from home, if you don't trust someone to do the work, they're either going to go two ways. They're not going to do it or they're going to feel super pressured into doing it and actually work a lot harder than they ever would in their life. And it's easier to lose sight of work-life balance when you're working from home so much. The hours can slip away. It can be seven o'clock, eight o'clock before you know it. Still light outside, so you've got no real barometer of time. So that trust, trust is earned thing is, is so wrong. Um, and look, no one in my team six months down the line has broke, got close to breaking that trust because everyone, everyone that works is is there to work and people get that. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I, I really liked that point. Uh, and I really also like the point you can tell from someone just by their tone of voice if they're in a good mood or a shitty mood. We have one person in our team who is either like gung-ho at your first thing in the morning or exasperated. And then you react throughout the day, throughout the week off the back of that. It's a, it's a tricky task for managers and new managers like me, but trust is the most important thing and it's what I, kept us all working. I do love the point that you made around, you know, you're not going into an office and talking to four or five people at once and therefore mm. you have to spend more time with an individual. Yeah. I remember a few comments towards the beginning of lockdown. I was like, oh, this, yeah, always calling me on teams. You know, you'd hear that thing kind of amongst colleagues and it's like, yeah, but actually, you know what, as a manager now, you are, you are that person's mm. interaction with this yeah. business in a way that you weren't before, before you're the, 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 uh, what's, what am I trying to think of? The, the, the kind of the contact with our organization and individual yeah. had was spread across a number of different touch points. Now the manager is it. Yeah. So you've yeah. got to kind of own that responsibility. Um, yeah. and I, and I, I do think that it will lead to better managerial behavior. Yeah. As a consequence. And and also people, like you're saying, you can't sit and look over someone's shoulder and say to them, earn trust. It's got to be the other way around, as you were describing before. And I think that's a positive thing. Mm. Um, and I do like Siobhan's point around, um, she's always thought that people who are anti-working from home should so question what they were doing at home. <laughs> so that's the whole thing. And uh, I won't get into it too much because I know I know various companies have different views on it, but... Everyone who was worried about people working from home must not work from home or either just think, oh, they've got their laptop over there and the TV's on all day. That is not what it's like at all. Yeah, yeah. The, the cricket's on in the background, but I'm not sitting there watching eight hours of test cricket a yeah. day. I'm working no, so really it's, hard. It's like if you if you rewind like a year, it was like, oh, you're working from home, are you having a nice day off? Yeah. And it's like, oh, is that because when you're at home, you do fuck all? <laughs> So it's it's a funny that Rosie's Rosie's immediate challenge from going into lockdown was that she would work from home when she was she knew she'd be hungover or she was on a half day. Like working from home was kind of like for for her for her company. Like all right, well it's a quieter day, and now it's like 
no, 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 no. It's almost the opposite. She goes, she went into the office yesterday, did an awful lot of stuff, but it's almost not as intense as working from home because you're, you're then talking to people in the conversational way. You're going out for a coffee or whatever. And it's, it's funny. Oh, how God. Things... I, 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 I saw a post on LinkedIn uh, from someone the other day and it was like, um, along the lines of, you know, first day back in the office, got up uh, before my children, didn't see them go off to school, uh, didn't have breakfast properly, sat on a train for two and a half hours, wasn't as predict- productive in the office. First time in months, haven't had a sit down, cooked lunch with my hubby, um, <laughs> bought bought a cheap um, like sandwich from a shop, um, had a sl- long, slow journey home, didn't see my children before they went to bed, feeling really tired, totally unproductive. And it's right. like, yeah. I, I like going into the office every now and then makes sense to keep the Absolutely. The, 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 the collaboration, the link between teams. And yes. Yeah. And I, I almost, people going, you know, I, I'm only going to go into the office if it's going to be a really productive day. It's like, actually, no, nah, nah, the, nah. Office is, the office isn't a productive day. The office mm. is a day to catch up with people and you should write it off as that and to keep those bonds yeah. important. But we shouldn't be going back to five days a week right now because a for, for we're not in a position where we can send 30 and a half million people back into london so i think any company that's going back to five days a week is just Wrong. ludicrously yeah. uh irresponsible in terms of the the tone and and, and the message that it's sending and when you see sh- f- firms like pwc and schroeder's going in the opposite direction you know that you are fighting against the tide of you're, you're well, doing look, the opposite we spoke about it on the coffee catch-up thing uh, that we did yesterday and facebook twitter all of the all of the big tech companies saying stay remote until at least 2021 and then after that it might even be permanent if you want it people you know the big companies are more and more inclined to doing this maybe it's a, because you know they're trying to one-up each other the companies and you know keep it going and make it more more appealing to new starters and stuff but it's going to be hard for anybody yeah. now who has said we are not a working from home company to to go back to that because unless trust has been severely broken in places, I'm sure that everyone has done a okay and is, is better off. And I'm sure that in a year or so we'll find ourselves in more of a hybrid world, but yeah, We'll see. We'll see. Right. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. You've mentioned Facebook there. We're going to be talking about Facebook a little bit more because we love having a go at Welcome back to the show. Facebook is funneling readers towards COVID misinformation, says a new study. Here is a shock horror. Facebook is spreading misinformation. Um, Wait, some... come on, Dave. This is this has got to be groundbreaking news, isn't it? Facebook spreading misinformation. This is one off. Yeah. So this this study found that um, that global networks of eighty two sites spreading health misinformation over at least five countries has generated an estimated three point eight billion views on Facebook over the last year. The peak audience was in April with four hundred and sixty million views in a single month. To give you some context. False medical information can be deadly. Researchers led by Bangladesh's International Center for Diarrheal uh, Disease Research, writing in the American Journal of Tropical Medicine and Hygiene, said that directly they could directly link a single piece of COVID misinformation to 800 deaths. Jesus. Wow. Wow, so, indeed. So Facebook continually are telling us that they're doing their best and they're going to attack it and all the rest of it, but you can put at least... 
I would say at least that one finding of 800 figures on, you know, sharing that blame between Facebook and misinformation because people, and we, we spoke about this before we came up, people will believe whatever they want to believe if it fits their own agenda. So if a piece of information is spread like, ah, you only have to wear your mask over your mouth. Don't worry about your nose. Well, people are like, well, I don't like wearing a mask at all, so I'll do that. And it's like, no, that's like putting a condom over your ball sack. That's not going to stop anything. Well, I also kind of think, you know, you think about the anti-vaxxer movement, um, <laughs> uh, which has been, you know, I think there were claims in the, that, that have kind of driven it from the late 90s. And the British Medical Journal or something along those lines have basically debunked everything and said of it's course. absolute rubbish. And people still, once it's out there, people still believe it. And the the difficult thing about anti-vaxxers is that it's like, oh, you know, I'm making a choice. It's my 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 child's body, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, no, because you don't know if there's a kid in that school who is suffering from some other disease that makes their immune system uh, compromised as a consequence. So you sending your child in, not having had vaccines, puts others at risk. Mm-hmm. And people people are so so selfish and self-centered about shit like this all right all right you liberal loser yeah. how is that how is that me being liberal if anything i'm saying it should be compulsory oh, <laughs> all right oh we should all be vaccinated just so what that we can all get autistic when we're 40 well God. yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i just oh the anti-vax thing winds me up so much but Getting back to the Facebook thing, Zuckerberg has said that fake news could be marginalized by an algorithm which determines which content viewers see. Posts that are rated as false are demoted and lose on average 80% of their future views, he wrote in 2018. Who's putting them as false, though? Like, if someone wants to believe it, they're not going to put it as false. Yeah, So, and and, and this fact-checker system doesn't really work. So it analyzed nearly 200 pieces of of health misinformation, this this study, which was shared on the site after being identified as problematic. Fewer than one in five carried a warble, a a warning label, with the vast majority, 84%, slipping through controls after they were translated into other languages or republished as a whole or part. So basically, Facebook's ability to detect clones and variations of fact-checking content just doesn't work it doesn't surprise me i mean look they're becoming a better employer for their staff but as far as morality goes the light seems to be drifting further and further away um i think the thing is they're so so huge that the the idea that you can rely on facts checking from your users it's not wikipedia and unfortunately (laughs) When, when it's so viral and, and misinformation gets spread and it can have such horrific consequences, you know, we, we should, we always come back to this notion of tech having, having unintended consequences and mm. responsible leadership. And at the minute it is an example of irresponsible leadership. Yep. Yep. You know, you just wonder about this board that was meant to sit above Zuckerberg to check how he's doing. What's going on there then? We're still getting, you know, that's like we said, that's at least 800 deaths caused misinformation being spread by Facebook. And that's one source. God, no. it's scary. Anyway, on that lovely note. Football's back um, soon. It's not even been that long. Premiership. Well, I, I, I love the fact that the Champions League has started before the Champions League has finished. I like that. Yeah. I mean, Celtic beat an Icelandic team or something I saw yesterday. There's been some good yeah. games. Semi-finals were pretty boring, though, if we're being honest. Um, Let's just, just pray that PSG don't win. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, Pray I have, for Bayern. I've been hurt by Bayern time after time. But yeah, absolutely. Cheering Bayern on. Even just to see Thomas Muller make bad jokes and do terrible dancing, yeah. is, it's worth it Just for as me. far as I'm concerned, any team with Neymar in shouldn't win. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. I'll, just I'll, don't I'll like Neymar. I'll go with oh. that, yeah. Anyway, right. On that note, have a lovely weekend, folks. We'll be back on Tuesday. Cheerio. Cheerio.